guys, this is Jeff Stanick with Figured Out Baseball. We've got a great Figured Out Baseball podcast for you today. Uh, we almost took up all of our time for, for recording this thing by BSing before, which is amazing because the guest and I have never met before. But uh, we've <laughs> we've had a fun time talking so far, and hopefully this podcast is as good as the pre-conversation has been. But we're joining the podcast today by Jeff Calhoun. He is the head coach at Biola University, a Division II school uh, in California. And uh, we're so excited to have Jeff on today. Today's podcast is brought to you by Crossover Symmetry. I'll give you a quick background on Coach Calhoun before we jump into questions with him. Um, he's originally from uh, Snohomish, uh, Washington. I should have practiced that another time or two before we started recording this. But <laughs> he played collegiately at Skagit Valley College, a junior college program in the NWAC that's in Mount Vernon, Washington. I uh, played there for two years, and then he played his last two years collegiately at Niagara University, a Division One school in Niagara, New York. He started his college coaching career at Westmont College, an NAIA school in Santa Barbara, California. He was there in the springs of 2014 and 15. The 2014 team finished 39-19. and 19. They won the conference championship. That season, the 2015 team finished 41-17. and 17 two really, really successful years there at Westmont. Both years that he was there, the team made it to the opening round of the NAIA tournament. Then in the springs of 2016 through 18, he was an assistant coach at UC San Diego, a Division II school, obviously, in San Diego, California. The 2017 team went finished the year 44-19. and 19. They lost in the championship, uh, the championship game of the D2 World Series. They were uh, you know, one one win away from winning the World Series. 2018 team finished 43 and 17. Also went to the advanced to the uh, NCAA Division II World Series that year. From there, he was hired for the 2019 season as an assistant coach at Point Loma, another Division II school in San Diego, San Diego, California. That year, the one year he was there, they also went to uh, the a Division II regional. Then he was hired in July of 2019 to become the head coach at Biola, where he's been since. Uh, his first spring, 2020, was obviously cut short because of COVID. He's, he's been there for one full season. This is about to be his second full season. Uh, so, Jeff Calhoun, I certainly appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff. Um, that's, uh, those are You read through that bio, those are a lot of really good times, a lot of really great staffs to be a part of, and a lot of really good players, that's for sure, so really fortunate to have been around those guys so i typically like to start with something from the bio that stands out for me and uh you know for you i think there are a couple of places we could start i'd love to talk about junior college baseball at some point love to i love to talk with guys about success and, and what you know things they've experienced as coaches and players that i think lead to success but i'd really love to talk with you uh first just about um the different stops that you had kind of generally speaking and, and how you got there you know, what it's taken for you to get these jobs. You know, I like talking to guys about about that, about this sort of the steps that it, it takes to not only get one job, but get another job in college, uh, college baseball, and, and kind of how you get hooked up with guys for the first time, you know, whether you got a job because you knew somebody or you just you just applied and, and you happened to, to be the one that got called and, and got offered the job. So, uh, Jeff, could you talk about that a little bit, especially let's talk first maybe about your first job or two, either at Westmont, uh, and or UC San Diego, how you ended up getting those jobs. Those are really successful programs, and I'm sure that uh, you know you, there were a lot of resumes being turned in there. How did you end up getting uh, either of those jobs, Jeff, if there's a, a story behind either one of those places? Yeah, so to start with Westmont, um, 
I so I spent one year prior to Skagit Valley, uh, my first year of college. I, I registered at Azusa Pacific, and so I played there uh, for Paul Stag. This is now the head coach. This is going to be his first year at Tufts in Boston. Uh, he's a he's the winningest coach at Azusa. He was awesome to play for. Really, just Northeast tough guy, and really matured me fast. But the hitting coach there at the time was Robert Ruiz, and he was the one that recruited me there. And so then Robert ended up getting the job after my freshman year where I redshirted at Westmont. And then I went back to junior college during the recession of 09. Um, and then kind of just decided to go there and save money and do that. And so when I got done playing, um, I'd always been interested in trying to become a coach and wasn't really sure what the next step was going to be. And just happened to get a phone call from Robert. We had talked throughout the recruiting process at junior college. I, I just financially, I don't think I was ever going to be able to afford Westmont at the time with how things were working for me. And um, he called and was like, hey, man, like we, we're looking for a volunteer assistant, young guy. Uh, you can recruit as much as you want. You know, it's a small stipend. You interested? And I said, sure, I'm in. Let's do it. And I didn't really know where Santa Barbara was to be completely transparent and uh, ended up being the best thing I've ever done in my life. It changed my life. And so uh, I got to do that for two years, learned a ton from him and uh, Tony Cagool. He's now with the Cubs. Um, just learning from those two guys in an office. And I, I had a chair. Um, I didn't have a desk. I got to sit in the office every day, though, and listen to these guys talk and work a bunch of odd jobs in the morning usually. And then we'd get to come in the office around 10 or 11 and then be there until – it was time to go home at seven or eight o'clock because then I was doing laundry and different things like that. But um, I ended up getting the next opportunity at UC San Diego uh, just by working on the recruiting trail a lot. And they had an opening there. They were looking for a volunteer um, to run their camps and to work with catchers and recruit and help with the hitters. And their recruiting coordinator at the time, JT Bloodworth, uh, he and I would talk all the time about players and recruiting and he, he, Ended up telling Coach Newman there, who's still the head coach, he was like, hey, you know, there's a guy that I think could be a really good fit for this job um, that I want to work with. I think he'd be, I think he fits in with us, and the process moved pretty fast. And, you know, within a week, I think, of our first conversation of, or, hey, are you interested in this? I was packing up my truck and moving to San Diego. So it was, uh, and those, again, I, I got so lucky with, you know, right place, right time, being around the right people and just, I think, again, like I, I talked to – we have a really young staff here. Our average assistant age is 25 between the three of them. So, for me, I always just tell them, like, hey, man, like if there's an event that you want to go to, go. If it's paid, not paid, doesn't matter. Uh, and just get your face out there and work. And I think that's where, you know, like, your actions is kind of what you can build your reputation on. And I think for us, like, we work, and I like to recruit. I like to be on the road. And that's always just been how I operated. And so being around – staff members similar minded to that with JT those years at UC San Diego. I mean, JT's now the recruiting coordinator and coaches third base and runs the offense at uh, UC Irvine. And then being around Robin Tony, Robin Tony just kind of let the dog off the leash with recruiting. They're like, Hey man, like anything you want to go to, here's the events that we do. Like the rest is yours. And so I got to do that and just get in the, get in the truck and drive to whatever event four hours, six hours, seven hours away. And, maybe I get a check out of it or maybe I meet some people out of it. It was awesome. So it's uh, two really great experiences. And then the next job I got was the pitching coach for us at 
at UC San Diego, Justin James, he got hired as the head coach at his alma mater in Point Loma and was looking for a hitting guy and recruiting coordinator. And so I got that opportunity to go over there with him and, and do that. And it was a great opportunity. And then when this opportunity arose, uh, I actually didn't apply for it at first. Uh, Justin was like, dude, you got to apply for this job. It's a head coaching job in our area. Like head coaching jobs don't just show up on the time. And so um, I reluctantly applied in the winter for the interim job and I didn't get it. And then they opened it up again in the summer of 19 and um, ended up getting it. So it was, uh, it's been just, again, like God's timing for me as a man of faith is just incredible. He puts you where he puts you exactly where you need to be when you need to be there. And sometimes you don't understand why. And I always tell people like sleeping in the back of my truck for a little while in Santa Barbara, I was at times wondering like, what am I doing? And like, why am I doing this? Maybe I should go do construction or something and make money. Um, and I like, sleep in a bed and live in a house and do things like that. But it's been, you know, everything I, it, more than I could have ever dreamed of to be in this role and to be at Biola and be around a bunch of great people and great administration. So it's been a blast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Crossover Symmetry and armcare.com. If you want to build cannon arms that stay in top condition all year, check out armcare.com. Developed by Crossover Symmetry, armcare.com measures players' arm strength and range of motion and delivers customized prep, strength, and recovery training based off each player's wellness scores, strength needs, throwing workloads, and fatigue. It gives you the tools to keep your players at their peak all season. So check out the team packages at armcare.com and gain a competitive advantage in player development. Your players will be healthier, throw harder, and win when it counts. Crossover Symmetry and ArmCare.com. So, Jeff, you, you talked about a couple things there that I just don't think get talked about much, and, and people, like, they just wouldn't wouldn't believe it if you tell them all the time that uh, just kind of the things that, that college baseball coaches go through. And I know for me over the years as I was coaching, people would be like, oh, you're a college baseball coach. That's cool. Like, what else do you do? And in and, and some jobs it's like, what do you mean? That's all I do. Like, this is, this is my job. Like, this is all I do. But at other, at other stops, you know, for, for a lot of people, they have to do other things, especially kind of like intro, intro jobs, you know, volunteer jobs. I know that my first job at Duquesne, I, I had three or four part-time jobs that I kind of worked at to make things work. And you know, it wasn't every day, but I had a couple jobs I'd work on the weekends and a couple jobs I was working during the week and whatever. But I'm interested to hear, to hear your, your story about kind of working odd jobs, sleeping in a truck you know, at Westmont, uh, and kind of at, at some points thinking like, man, what am I doing here? Like, do I need to, should I just get another job that's going to pay me a normal salary and like, let me live in a, in a, in a building and, and have a, you know, have a normal bed and things like that. Can you just talk a little bit Jeff about what your experience was and, uh, and, and maybe I guess just what that was like going through at that time for you? Like, why, why would you, why would you do that? What was your, uh, conversation with yourself, I guess, almost like, you know, to be at that point in your life and, and be making so, you know, so little money and working several jobs just to kind of feed yourself and all that, like, and, and it was worth it. You stuck with it. Can you just talk about that time a little bit and just what life was actually like for you at that time to give people a little bit more of an idea? Because I think that a lot of people, again, don't have a, a real clear idea about what college coaching is all about and, uh, and sort of the, the tough times that a lot of coaches go through when they're first starting out, especially, can you, can you just talk about your beginning a little bit? Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was an experience for sure. Um, I think like you said, it's, uh, no, uh, trying to explain to people like, no, I coach baseball. That's what I do. 
for a living. And um, I think that's where I heard a great analogy on it. Like this is like coaching baseball is my career and I had to do a lot of jobs on the side and to get to a point where like, this is my career. This is what I do 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so for me at Westmont, uh, my first job, I was at Starbucks. I was a barista. Uh, I was the opener. I was a 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. shift or 4 a.m. to 10 a.m. depending on uh, what was going on. I was a very average barista. I was also consuming way too much coffee. <laughs> I'm a black coffee guy, so for me it was just like, okay, I can drink as much of this on the shift as I can, so it's great. And then I think our staff liked my job there because I was bringing coffee at 10 a.m. or 10.30 whenever I get off bring in their coffee orders. So they're pretty appreciative of that. Um, ended up working from there, moved to an overnight auditor at a hotel in Santa Barbara. I had some really interesting experiences with that and being up from 11 PM to 7 AM for a shift was interesting. And then, you know, going recruiting on the weekends and you're trying to stay awake during the day when usually you're sleeping at 7 AM to 11 or something. And then trying to mix in a nap at night before you go to work. Um, did that for a few months, and then I got hired uh, on campus for a job. I was a janitor, and actually, is that's the only job I've ever been fired from. Uh, it's kind of a <laughs> joke among my friends. I, I got fired via email because I left. I put in a time off request in the, in the, in the spring, and I was like, hey, like there's some recruiting events where you know, I'm getting paid like 12 bucks or 10 bucks an hour to clean toilets, and I was like, well, I can go to this event in, you know, Corona or somewhere couple hours away drive to it and make 200 bucks for a day of work so i probably should do that that financially just makes more sense so uh, and it's my job it's my career it's what i want to do this is my job but i i got fired via email because i missed like two weeks straight of just working camps and not being on the road recruiting and they're like yeah the building didn't get cleaned for two weeks jeff like it's it's the summer we understand that but like people still come here and go to work and the, <laughs> the trash has been taken out in two weeks and you're fired. And so, uh, unfortunately, Robert and Tony had to wear that for me a little bit after I left. Um, it kind of affected them being able to get anybody hired into that, into that part of campus. Um, and then I got really fortunate by most of my second year at Westmont, I was working. I got hired as an assistant field guy, so I was doing uh, soccer and baseball, taking care of the facilities with our groundskeeper there, uh, who was in charge of all the athletic facilities. So I was his assistant and the mowing, doing the edging, doing all the maintenance stuff there. And then when I got to UC San Diego, that was when it became more of just baseball only. And then like everybody else, I mean, I was doing, um, you know, uh, way too many hitting lessons, way too many hitting clinics, like just trying to make ends meet and pay rent. And I was, again, really fortunate. I think I had the cheapest rent in San Diego. So I knew how many lessons I needed to do per month to make that payment. And then I was like, okay, like, let's get, Luckily for me, Eric Newman was, we didn't have team camps going yet. So that was kind of my assignment on getting hired. There was like, Hey, we want to operate team camps. And we got that off the ground and started making some extra income for our staff and also using it to recruit. And we're getting good players out of it. We ended up getting a shortstop that came to it. And the guy was the last, he was the last pick of the draft in 20. And it was an awesome kid. Uh, Shea Whitcomb, he was a camper from there. And I mean, it was, so once I got to do that, it made it a lot easier was still doing a lot of lessons, a decent amount of lessons at Point Loma. And then when I finally got here, um, I didn't have to do lessons anymore as the head coach. I don't have to do them as often. I do maybe one or two here and there randomly. But now it's I get to just coach baseball all day and 
don't have to teach a class, which I'm really lucky and fortunate on. I, I just come to the office and work and go home and keep recruiting and doing that. But it was uh, definitely a, like I, I talked about with told people, like there, I, I was really lucky that my family would just talk me out of ever coming home. And like, hey, like, you know, I think I could go back to Buffalo and pour concrete or go back to Washington to do construction or do something like that. And they're like, why would you do that? Like, this is what you're passionate about. Like, you don't want to just have a job that you're not going to enjoy doing every day. And I mean, even though it was hard, I think that's where if you if you go around the country and talk to every college coach, I mean, I'm, I'm not unique in that regard of having to do all this stuff and so luckily again working for robert and tony to start i mean they had done the same thing working different jobs at different schools as assistant coaches so they knew kind of what i was getting into and just would you know like dude it's okay like you're fine like it's not like yeah you just fell asleep in the middle of typing an email at at 10 a.m because you haven't slept in two days but like (laughs) that happens like you're probably mixing a nap after practice or something (laughs) while you're doing laundry and so it was, uh, it was, again, like I, I had such a good support system and people are like, Hey, like you're going to, you're going to be okay. Like it's, it's just part of the grind, I guess, to an extent. And I, I'm really anti that word. I, I think this is an, I don't call this a grind as much. And I, I, my brother is a iron worker back in Washington. And I was like, that's a grind. Like that guy's up at 5am and he's doing high rise iron working in the rain and sleep in Washington. And, 35 degree weather it's like that sucks like that's a grind like that's a hard job like i'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt to practice in southern california and i'm like oh i'm grinding right now like that's i think that's eyewash but it's uh you know so i think there are some humbling moments like that of just seeing like okay what am i doing like do i love my job yes do i love my career yes like and this is the sacrifice i gotta do and this is just part of the deal that everybody else has done before me so i'm not special in that regards i'm it's kind of that rite of passage almost of like, okay, like, so this is really what you want to do. Like, let's see how committed you are to doing this. And I don't think, I think in a perfect world, I mean, you see it all the time on social media and people talking about like, Oh, you know, trying to get a third paid assistant or trying to improve coach pay. And I'm totally pro that. And I think that that could keep really good coaches in the game because obviously there's just so much other stuff that goes into it. Like you said, and like my story is no different than a lot of people, but it's, if we can make it where, you know, my objective, I got asked this when I was, I think at the end of my time at Westmont, or I had just gotten to UC San Diego, and I had a coaching buddy who, who was at a division one, another division one, and he's like, hey, like, what's your five year goal? And I was like, to have insurance, like that's my five year goal. <laughs> like, I just want to, I'd like to, I'd like to be able to go to a doctor if I need to, um, which, you know, that was my a constant joke and then you know five years later i'm the head coach here and that was my joke is like yeah i got insurance five years later that was my objective i didn't think it'd be in a head coach position but i definitely was just trying to make sure i could go see a doctor and make sure that i'm healthy (laughs) once in a while but it's uh it's it's something that again i think everybody's been through it i think everybody's got a story everybody has a time where they're like man i'm working 60 hours a week as a as a college baseball coach and then i'm doing something on the side still to make it make it meet like how do i do this and you know i think that's where people have support systems and people have other coaches they can talk to and i remember i had had two or three coaches that i i got in at the same time with and would talk to when i'm at 5 a.m cleaning toilets it's like hey man like what are you doing today it's like oh well 
I just got to the field. I'm the maintenance guy. It's like, okay, like, you want, you, what, do you, what do you got at practice today? What are you working on? Like, what are you, who are you recruiting? Like, just trying to find something to make cleaning toilets a little better. Like, understand, like, hey, everybody else, there's a lot of other young guys that are in the same boat I am that are doing the same thing. And, like, it's been fun to see those guys advance too and grow. And, like, and this friend group I have of guys that have just stuck with it. And there's some guys that didn't. And, you know, it, it's, you see what they're doing and you can see, like, hey, they missed the competitiveness they miss being around the kids and i think that's where like if you're getting into it for the right reason of you know you want to make an impact on people then i think you're, it makes it a lot easier to do it because if i was only in it for the money i would have been out a long time ago but you know i i love getting back to the game that gave me so much and being able to hopefully help kids and you know young men at this point where they can grow as people and get become better men and become better husbands and fathers and future coworkers and leaders in their community like that's the, that's what i get to do every day which is the best job on the planet i can't imagine doing anything else that's awesome and, and what an awesome answer and an awesome just to your story is is cool and it's not it's not unique and special in that you're the only guy to have done it but every story is a little bit unique and and just your background and the things that you've gone through you know it's a little bit different than everybody else and i think it's worth it's a worth it's a story worth telling i think um in a lot of ways. So Jeff, now that you are a head coach, I know you haven't been doing it for that long, but um, what, what is your, what's your take? What's your conversation like with, with guys that you might be, you might interview either you have interviewed or you will interview in the future that, you know, you, you offer a job that doesn't pay very much. And, and you have a guy that says like, well, I don't know how I'm going to make that work financially. You know, with, with all that you've been through, how do you, how do you approach that when you, when you have a guy, maybe it's not even on your staff. Maybe you just, you know, some other guys, maybe you have former players or, um, whatever that are looking to get in and, and they're like, man, how do I make this volunteer job work? That is like a true volunteer that pays like nothing or like your job at Westmont that pays like a thousand dollar stipend. Uh, you know, how do you talk with guys that you interact with that are in that similar type situation? And it's, it's kind of their first experience with it. And they're just trying to like connect the dots in their head about how on earth they're going to make this work financially and, and, you know, feed themselves, but they have a passion you know, for baseball so that you, you believe that they should do it, but they're just, they kind of have to get over this barrier of the financial side of it. Like because of what you've been through, what's your conversation like either with guys, maybe you've interviewed or again, guys, other guys you've been in touch with that are in the game that are kind of going through that same, that same thing that you had gone through. Yeah. I think for me, like, you know, again, like I think we, we don't have, uh, you know, the best paying situation here for assistant coaches either. So I think for me, like getting really creative, obviously. And so like we have, we've been fortunate. It took me, I mean, last year and a half of pushing our ground, our ground, ground group on campus to try to hire one of our volunteers. So like one of our volunteers has got an opportunity now to get paid that way. So he's maintained the field, which he was already doing, but now he's just, on contract to do it and actually getting a paycheck out of it, which is great. And just, I think trying to create situations in our own program of like, okay, how can we improve financials of it? And is that, you know, fundraising is that, um, you know, trying to run a camp or two and understanding for me, like, Hey, you know, I, I have the best financial situation of the group, obviously as the head coach, but how do I, make sure that they're getting taken care of and from a camp standpoint or from when we host tournaments or when we do different things throughout the summer and try to be creative that way. Um, I think there's been a couple of guys that I've talked to 
that are you know younger guys that are in it and it's just i think like like you said they're kind of going through that moment of like okay what am i doing why am i doing this and it's like just getting creative and i think that's where like i feel bad for some schools out here right now because they haven't been allowed to run a camp because of covid or because of whatever and it's like okay you know is there a job around where you live that you can do in the evenings is there a remote job is there something and there were coaches i remember even at the start of covid out here that were like yeah i'm working at amazon and i'm just trying to make some cash because there's no camps and it's like i think that's where you find out how sold out you are i guess for your career that like hey i'm willing to do all these tough situations and overcome some really tough odds to stay in this to to make an impact on people and i think again it's like if you if my biggest thing i tell coaches getting into it especially i mean one of them is here one of our, our one of our volunteers is a former kid i recruited at uc san diego and i've gotten to know over the last probably seven or eight years total now of recruiting and played at ucsd after i left and this is his first year coaching and it's like if you're in it for money you're in the wrong business because that's not you're not just going to get instant gratification and instantly a new job. Like I, 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 I've been really fortunate to move at the pace that I've been able to move at, but I think that's where it's like, if you're in it to make an impact on kids and to get back, like, then you're going to, like, you'll find a way to make it work. And, you know, I've been really fortunate too to also have two of our assistant coaches that live that are from around the area. So they have people they can stay with. And so the rent's non-existent or very cheap. So that makes it, accommodating where you know living in orange county la is not the most uh, cost efficient place to live you got the sun tax i call it and you gotta pay for the beach so it's uh i mean you get just very creative and i think it's like you find out what a person's heart where a person's heart is at and just how much they want to make an impact on people and i also you know sometimes if it is a financial issue i tell people all the time and even our staff I'm like hey man like if there's some if there's an opportunity that comes along and you an opportunity to you know improve your financial situation or improve your family situation like you gotta take it like it's you gotta be selfish a little bit in this you can't just always be you know taking the low road financially i mean you gotta take care of your family and your future and things like that and that's you know something for us like we've had a couple coaches move on to that it's been you know hard for us because we gotta get we gotta go find people to come work here then and take over for that role um but at the same time like i know that they've move themselves into a situation where, you know, now they can start looking at potentially buying a house or look into, you know, finally like buying a ring to get married and do things like that where, you know, they're living on, they're living on rice and beans and um, living in a house with a kitchenette, which is what I had my first place that I lived in Santa Barbara when I finally got a place to live. It was like, yeah, I have a Foreman grill and I have a, a hot pad and that's what I got. I don't have, I don't have an oven or a stovetop, so like I can't just get super culinary arts here. Um, I got to be pretty proactive and creative on what I'm going to eat for dinner. So a lot of rice aroni, a lot of hamburger helper, a lot of ramen. Uh, that was, I think, there's your advice from a volunteer diet. Just find whatever you can find in that aisle of a dollar fifty food that you can make and can last for three days. I also, you know, I think I can admit it now. Um, now that I'm out of, I think it's after five years, so I can admit the story. I don't, I won't, well, I don't owe anything. I think at Westmont now, maybe Robert will make me pay a tab back or something. But they used to do teriyaki chicken on like Wednesdays there, and I used to bring Tupperware in my backpack, and I would just load up Tupperware of 
fried turkey chicken from the cafeteria. And I was like, okay, well, there's my dinner for Wednesday night. There's my lunch for Thursday afternoon and my dinner for Thursday afternoon. So I got two days of food out of one meal at Westmont. So, uh, I mean, that's all you can eat. I, I mean, I didn't, I don't think I, I don't think I was allowed to take food to go, but it was, uh, I definitely took all you can eat to the, to the maximum extent of that. So it was, uh, I think again, just be creative with how you can get through it. It's, it's, uh, but I think also when you work for people who truly care about your best interest and taking care of you, um, I think that was something that Eric Newman was really good about with me. And like, he knew how much I needed to get to, to, to survive. And he, um, he never, you know, just took all the money out of a camp that I was running or something like that. He always was really supportive of me and our assistant coaches. And that's something that I've taken here and trying to do the same thing for our guys and understand like, Hey, like you have student loans, you got to pay off. You got car payments, you got what a rent, you got whatever you got to do financially that you're still trying to pay off. Like let's be proactive here and, try to get you know your money put away let's have a safety net let's and that's something that even working for robert and tony you know i like tony helped me get into a class that taught me financial planning and how to you know map this out and how to be proactive with a budget help me with a budget sheet as you know tony i mean he's got the most intricate excel sheets of all time so i i had to learn from him how to how to make an Excel budget sheet and things like that. And it's just made it, it makes all of a sudden make, making the money you, you make, you're like, okay, like how much am I spending on food that I really don't need to spend? Like I probably shouldn't go to the gas station and be, I don't need an energy drink every morning. Like I'll just buy six at Costco or something for, and I'll save $8. It's like you figure all that stuff out, but it's definitely some growing up really fast. And you're off, you're off the meal plan at the school and I gotta figure out how to feed yourself. So, this, this these experiences that you've had i think are um they're so cool to listen to and i think so many guys have been through it but i think it's worth talking about because uh people that listen to this podcast that that aren't on that side you know it's just it's interesting what college coaches have to go through to kind of get where they've gotten um jeff who are some of the guys you've, you've mentioned some of the some of these coaches a handful of times but can you can you just kind of talk a little bit about who these who some of these coaches are that have had the biggest impact on you and not just um, uh, on the baseball side of things, but from a personal standpoint as well. And maybe just, just talk about your relationship with them um, and how you, you know, if you, if you, it's kind of the same thing as I asked earlier, if you knew these guys going into it, or if you just kind of found yourself in a situation where you were coaching with some good people who have impacted you in a pretty major way. Yeah. I always looked up to Robert at Westmont. I mean, he was always, I mean, he he and I have joked now, like, he got his head job at Westmont at 28. Um, I got mine here at 20. I, I accepted the job when I was 28. I turned 29 after I got it. And so kind of being on the same, a similar path to him and just kind of going through the, the not fun part of, you know, working the side jobs and doing all that stuff. So he was really supportive of me. I mean, I look up to him like an older brother. Um, I mean, we talk a decent amount and pretty regularly. And, you know, even after our opening series last week, I think we both, I think we talked every, and we talked, I think Saturday morning after our Friday night game got done. And then we talked Saturday night on our bus ride home and just kind of talking through, you know, being a younger head coach and trying to figure this out, and, you know, understanding pros and cons and, you know, what am I learning from it? And what has he gone through? What is he learning from? 
And then I think Tony just, again, like Tony Cagool, who's a pitching coach with the Chicago Cubs now in their minor league system. I was saying to you off the air, like that guy was so incredibly organized and structured. And for me, I'm a pretty high energy guy and can sometimes be at 23 or 24 years old, pretty fly by the seat of my pants and hope that it all works out. And so I think being around him and both those guys being in their early thirties at the time when I got there and being married and starting to have families, like I got to see that work-life balance for that and just how all that works and being Christian men and learning from them. And then moving to UC San Diego, you know, Eric Newman is, I mean, he's, I still call him Skipper. Uh, he's still my boss. I, I mean, we talk regularly and I call him whenever I answer the phone and say, Skip, how's it going? And he's, uh, I think I always tell people I learned from him how to win. I think Eric, Eric has won everywhere he's been as a head coach. And since he's been at UC San Diego, he won when he was at Dallas Baptist in their transition from D2 to D1. He led that, was, an, was the lead assistant at Nebraska before he came to UC San Diego. And Eric has been, he's always, I think for me, from a soundboard standpoint, he's always just going to tell me how it is. And, you know, there were opportunities that I passed up when I was working for him to go to different places. And I was just so loyal to him. And I think that's something that assistant coaches sometimes, like, and again, kind of the backtrack my statement earlier, sometimes you got to be selfish. But I think at the same time, you still got to be loyal to who you're working for. And I think that that was for me, like I knew he had my back and I knew he always had my best interests. And I turned down some opportunities at different places or going into pro ball and things like that. And I was like, no, I'll stay as a volunteer here because I love what we're doing. And my boss supports me. So like, I, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to get that anywhere else. So it was, you know, for him, you know, he just, he, he let me figure myself out and he would tell me, Hey, we need to get this done. And I was like, okay, how do I do that? And he's like, figure it out. And in a good way, not in like a negative tone type of deal. Is it like, cause I think everybody that's in the coaching world understands like, Hey, like I don't have time for this, like figure it out. And it was like, the, it was the opposite. It was like, I'm going to figure it out. And then if there's something I can correct, let's talk about it. But I, I remember a lot of days going in the office into his office and sitting down and just being like, Hey, like, here's life. Like, what do you got? Like, you're married. You've been a head coach. You're, you got three kids at the time. Then all of a sudden we multiplied that to five. My last year there with his twin daughters that showed up, which were are fantastic. But I think for him, like, he was never too busy to sit down and just talk life. And I think that's something for me that really helped me at, you know, 25 to 28 or 25 to 27, really in that time period there working for him of, you know, trying to figure out who I wanted to be as a coach and who I wanted to be as a Christian man and just sitting down with them and being able to just talk about anything or whatever was going on or my family or, you know, my personal relationships or, you know, work relationships or work goals, objectives, like advice. He just always was a soundboard. And then he would just tell me straight up what, what the answer was or what he thought. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right on that. I just didn't want to address that. <laughs> so it was, I think Eric's awesome. I think that was such a great experience. And again, like I'm, I'm so lucky to call those guys friends and then working for Justin. I think I learned a ton from him unintentionally into what I was going to become a year later of, you know, first time head coach, um, at a small Christian college, very similar to what we are here at Biola. We'll just sit and talking to Justin and 
picking his brain and watching him go through it and seeing our struggles our first year and our, our successes our first year, just trying to figure that out. And then, you know, sitting down and just breaking down baseball. And again, he was uber organized, uber structured, very detail oriented. So for me, it was like offensively, I had to bring that. I had to bring my game up to match him and make sure that our recruiting was organized, that our travel was organized, that our gear was organized. Everything was detail oriented. And I think that really watching him go through that first year head coach prepared me then nine months later to be first year head coach and try to make sure that I knew what I wanted to be and was really clear and concise on what I wanted and how I wanted it and just not necessarily beating around the bush or trying to avoid a conversation I didn't want to have. It was like, I'm just going to take things on head on. And that was something I learned from him. But I'm, again, so lucky to call these guys friends and be able to call them when I need some advice or just to shoot the breeze. And I tell Eric now that they're Division One that they're my favorite Division One team. Um, I'm a huge fan of them and just what they're doing there. And then uh, I root for Justin anytime we're not playing them since we're in the same conference. But And now Westmont, it sounds like, might be coming up. So I, I'm looking forward to being able to see Robert across the field every year. Not looking forward to having to play him every year. It's just another really tough, really tough team that he's built over there that I got to go try to win games against. So, but it's a lot of fun to be around really hyper competitive people that are successful, what they do, and are just really quality people. I think that's really hard to find, and been really fortunate to work for all those guys and call them friends. So, and be Uncle Jeff to a lot of their kids. So, or um, or for Newman and for Justin, I'm I'm dinosaur to them. I chase them around like a dinosaur their kids sometimes so it's a uh, you know different roles different hats every coach has to wear them it's just a dinosaur sometimes so <laughs> um so you've had some really great experiences with a lot of coaches but i i kind of um you know for for guys that maybe just want to get into college baseball and they they haven't had a chance yet or or even someone that's got a job that's like man that that sounds great like i'd love to be on a staff like that how hard is it to find a staff where you have guys that, that care about each other like that and that that um, that have relationships just beyond, you know, coaching on the same staff together? Uh, is that is that common to find, Jeff? Is it is it hard to find in college baseball? Um, you know, it's I mean, you, because you your experience has been so great, it makes it sound like, man, college baseball, these guys just have each other's back. Like, is that always the case or is it is it something like it, it's hard to find? And to your point earlier of, of you have to be a little bit selfish when you, you if you find a good job you gotta take it, but at the same time, you know, if you're if you like you've said, if you with if you're with some guys that you really like and care about and, and enjoy coaching with, you, you need to probably hang on there until you unless you find like the perfect kind of gig. Um just curious from your experience and just from you know you know a lot of people. You know, are there a lot of these guys out there? Is it rare to find to where if you find that kind of staff, you've really you really should kind of hang on there as long as you can. Just, uh, you know, curious about, about that part of it and just what your experience of what college baseball is like kind of as a whole. Man, that's a really good question. I think for me, uh, I think what we were into in our business is you just got to find honest people. And I think if you can find honest people, you're going to find – people you want to be around and have similar mindsets and things like that. I think I was talking about it with JT actually last night. We were on the phone and catching up and uh, was asked by some of my players to think um, like things from a work standpoint that, that are hard for me. And I think for me, it's people that aren't 
all in to be successful at what they do or to be or try to achieve and be the best at what they do. And that to me is confusing. And that's even as a player, it's like, why wouldn't you play hard all the time? Or why wouldn't you run hard 90s? Or why wouldn't you lay out for a ball that you can lay out for? Because we'll never know, right? And I think that's from a business standpoint, that's something that I struggle with. And when I meet people that don't want to achieve or like be pushing themselves to be better at what they do in this 1% better mentality and growth mindset. I just, it's hard for me to understand it. And I was really fortunate to work with staffs that wanted to be the best at what they do and wanted to build something and wanted to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And I think that that's maybe different at some schools or some places, but I've never, I've never had the misfortune or the, unfortunate opportunity to work with people like that that are just like hey we're just trying to be 500 and we're moving on with our day and for me it's like why wouldn't we want to be the best at what we do and that's just not just a baseball thing but i think for us here at biola as a christian college like why wouldn't we want to be the best at academics in our department like why wouldn't we want to try to see how higher team gpa can be and we did that this last fall i, I mean we haven't, they haven't announced all the athletic departments yet, but I mean, we were a three, four, seven. So like, we're the smartest team on campus. I've declared it. Um, it's just, I, I, I walk around, I say it and gets all the other coaches riled up in our department. And I think it's good because <laughs> it continues then to build our department and push people. But I think for me then like off the field, it's like, are we behaving properly? Are we staying out of trouble? Are we going to the chapels? Are we going to class? Are we doing things like that, that correlate to everything else? Cause it's, everything is connected to like every little thing is connected to every deep, every big thing. So it's like, Hey, if I don't practice hard, I'm just going to turn it on in the game. That's not how that works. Like if I'm going to play hard and practice and then not play hard in the game, that doesn't make sense either. So I think that's where from a coaching standpoint, it was like, I mean, we, we emptied the tanks. I think when we were at UCSD a lot. And I think, you know, there were some really long days, some really long hours and a lot of different things that JT and I did from a recruiting standpoint that Justin, me and JT did from a, scouting standpoint and the other guys that work there volunteer wise i think we just worked really hard and you know it, it doesn't always work out you don't always get the wins because you know our first year at uc san diego we went we i think we started like 18 and 5 or something and then finished 31 and 21 and just we we worked really hard but we didn't have the success and it's like i think there's that risk factor of like well if i work really hard and give it everything i got and i don't have success like why would i want to put myself through that pain and it's like I think that's where for me, when you're around like-minded people and you surround yourself with that, I think that makes the experience better for you as a person and, and it makes the people around you better because they're, I was trying to match JT's level of recruiting because JT, I mean, I, I stand by something. JT's one of the best recruiters in the country. I think that guy works tirelessly and I got to live with him for a couple of weeks when I first moved to San Diego and I'm, it's eight o'clock at night and we just get done with dinner. He's like, all right, who are you going to call? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, there's always somebody you can call to recruit. Like if you talk to any club coaches lately, you talk to high school coaches, if you talk to this kid or this JC. And I was like, well, no, it's like eight o'clock at night. Like I'm not going to call people at eight o'clock at night. He's like, why not? And I was like, okay. He's like, what's the worst they're going to do? It sends the voicemail and they'll call you tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, that's a good point. And so I think for me, it was like, I got to match JT's energy recruiting wise. And I think, you know, we got rewarded. We had some really good players, had a lot of success, but it's like, why wouldn't I want to push myself there? and just try to keep up with their energy. And I think that's where, again, like when you surround yourself with people who want to be successful or want to be a lead at what they do. And that's where I'm really fortunate here. I mean, our athletic director, Bethany Miller, she's a rock star. I 
and she just is always pushing to get better and always trying to push to make things better for, for our staff and for our student athletes and for our department. It's like, you know, I'll run through a wall for people like that. And I just, so I think that's where if you could find people that are like-minded to yourself and maybe it's not at the achievement as an achiever on the Enneagram, because I've done all these random Enneagram stuff lately and just trying to see more about myself personality wise. It's like, Hey, I'm an achiever. That's what I want to do. And I think for me, like you might be a helper and it's like, okay, I want to be able to help the most people I can. I want to be around people that are similar minded to that and want to push. And I mean, I don't think you have to be the same background or personality or you don't have to think like-minded all the time, but you want to be around people that are going to make you better or push you to be better than where you're at right now. Cause otherwise I think you can get stagnant. I think that's boring and that just doesn't work for me. Unfortunately, I just get really bored with being okay at things. And so like for me, I got one of my former players brought this up and I love the idea of it. And we were talking about it dinner a couple weeks ago. Like, what are you, what are you the worst at in baseball or life or anything like that? And like, how do we make that better? Cause then your, your, your bottom floor is going to raise up to be like average. And now you're, you have a new thing that's at the bottom and you got to work that to be average to just continue to raise the bar. And so for me right now, our players know it. They're making fun of me. It's my handwriting. My handwriting is atrocious. I might as well be a doctor because no one can read it. I just am lacking a PhD. So I'm not, or an MD, excuse me, but I'm not as smart as those guys, but I write like I am. So for me, I'm trying to write, improve my, my handwriting. So that, that way, when I write hand written letters, people can actually read it. And so my players are wearing me out like, Hey coach, how's your handwriting? I'm like, it's getting better. Like it, I can actually read it without having to like look at it twice, which is great. <laughs> but it's, you know, that's not a non-baseball thing, but if we apply it to baseball, it's like, Hey, what am I not doing well at as a coach? Like, what am I doing um, that I need to get better at? That's what I'm trying to continue to push our guys to do. And I mean, it's a reality check for some of them. So uh, there's a, I know I've got just maybe a couple of minutes left. Jeff, there's a couple of things I'd love to ask you to wrap it up, but I think yeah. what I'm going to settle on is I, I'd love to ask you about your strengths and weaknesses. That's one thing I wanted to talk about, but that's maybe for another podcast. What I'd like to ask you about today is you, you've mentioned several times um, that, that you're a Christian and, and that's something that's important to you. And you're, you're at a Christian school right now at Biola. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, that's, that's something that's important to me as well. And something I feel like with figured out baseball that I've been called to do this thing and, and, and to create this platform for kids and families and coaches and, uh, and to do it for free and, and just to use my resources and, and maybe some of my strengths to create this site. Um, but I'm curious for you, what do you feel like you've been called to do at Biola? Like why was Biola the jump and, and what do you feel like you're called to do at this program? That's, that's a, you know, I'm, I'm sure that winning games, I'm just, I'll, I'll take answer one out of your mouth. Just, you know, I'm sure you want to win games and do some things on that level. But if you have some other things that you feel like you've been called to do at Biola, what do you, what do you feel like is, is, is kind of the thing that you've been sort of called to accomplish at Biola? If there is something that's on your mind. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's been a great conversation that I think for me, I've, I've constantly been evolving and growing on. And I think for me right now, like we've kind of come up with almost like a, like a business plan phrase of like what we're trying to do here. And for me, it's from the development side as a person, like what we roll with is 
my job is to, is to develop critically thinking young Christian men who will lead with humility when they leave here. And that's my, that's my, if, if I don't win any games and I don't have success and guys don't get an opportunity to move on to the next level from here, like that, if I can leave here, making sure the kids are able to leave here and be able to critically think, which I think is a skill set that is lacking in society today in general, or be able to listen to other people's thoughts and accept them as maybe they don't agree with them, but they can still hold a conversation and respect them as a person. Like that's something that I'm trying to create here and for them to be able to be humble as leaders and to be able to go make an impact wherever they go. That to me is the biggest thing. And so is that at times having conversations about theological viewpoints? Yes. Is that sometimes talking about how would you handle the situation in relationships? Like, okay. Like, and so we have a couch down in my office, which is finally great because now guys come in here and we'll just talk about anything that's on their mind. And I think that's where for me, like being transparent and being not having an agenda and just being honest with guys, but like, Hey, like here's where I've struggled in that situation that you're talking about. Like, Hey, like take it from a guy who's 10 years older than you. Like, here's where I screwed that up. Like learn from me, my mistakes and like, Hey, how can I help you? I think that's where Viola is so unique where I can't express my faith. I can talk about my faith openly and have conversations with people about it and, you know, be able to talk about whatever they talk about at chapel that day. And, you know, I talk with our team all the time. If there's things that are said in our chapel, because our school does a really good job of bringing different speakers in and bring different viewpoints and different theological views. And so sometimes guys will come in and be like, hey, like the, the guy who spoke today talked about this. Like, I don't really agree with it, but I'd love to just talk more about it. It's like, yeah, let's have a discussion and, you know, have that conversation. Because I think when you can allow creativity and allow open-mindedness and allow guys to feel not to not be judged by their viewpoints, but be judged by their actions and character. I think that's where kids are able to succeed and be able to grow as people. And that's been a lot of fun to watch for us because my first recruiting class here in 2020, they're all, a lot of them are sophomores now and they're in their second year, but I've I've known them since they were a lot of them high school juniors. I knew about when I was at Point Loma or I knew when they're starting their senior year. And so I've known them for three years already and just seeing them grow and develop as people and as young men of faith has been the highlight of my job because, you know, getting to have guys that I've coached a couple of years ago come talk to the team or see guys 10 years down the road at Westmont that I coached are married and have kids and are being really successful with what they do. Like, that's, to me, the end game of success as opposed to, like, yeah, you know, we, we've had, you know, however many number of guys drafted or played pro ball that I've gotten to work with over the past nine years. Like, but there's so many more guys that have made – and impact and been successful and have been able to impact their community. And there's a kid that was on our team the last two years who's done, who has his MBA and is playing pro ball in Mexico. And he's Kenny Carrillo. He's a freaking rock star. I love him to death. And it's, you know, that guy's got a lot of different things of thought and different ideas. And he's from not a great area here in East LA. And it's like, Hey man, like how many kids from, how many guys in your area have a master's degree in business? He's like, I think I'm the only guy that I can know of in my neighborhood. I was like, what an opportunity for you whenever baseball tells you to stop the impact you can make in your community with what you have now. And like, how do you help people in the future or help others succeed based off of your success and what you've been able to achieve? And that's where, you know, seeing kids do that or seeing first generation kids go to college and graduate, seeing stuff like that, that's such a a huge moment for me and what I want to do and, you know, Paolo has been a really good resource for that. 
you know, being able to have support systems and small classes and different things like that where guys can be supported and to be able to go to graduation and see guys do it. That's pretty, I didn't understand it my as an assistant as much. Um, but then being able to go in person, my first graduation last year here and watch guys walk and, you know, see them crossing the stage and getting a diploma. That was, uh, uh, just an incredible opportunity and, and visual experience for me. And now writing, you know, letters of recommendation to medical school and things like that. It's like the impact these guys can make through their faith and through being a quality person and through being critically thinking and being humble, allow these guys to make a difference where they go. And, you know, for me, I, I try to lead it by example and I'm not, I was saying at a press a couple of days ago, it's like, you guys know me. It's if I don't know the answer, I'll tell you, I don't know, but let me find out. And like, let me go do my research and go do call someone in this office, try to figure out and get the answer for you. And I'll find the answer. I might not know it right away, but I'll figure it out where no pun intended the podcast. But I think that's where for me, that's honesty as opposed to like, acting like I know everything and I'm smarter than everybody else. And, I think guys could, I think 18 to 22 year olds can see through that so fast. So I think that's where Viola's been able to give me my first opportunity and been able to make impact on kids and, you know, hopefully make Viola baseball players better than they've been in the past as people and also as players. That's, that's kind of the big, big goal here. This has been such a really a great podcast. This is Jeff Calhoun, everyone who's the head coach at Biola university in California. Um, Jeff, this has been great, man. You and I never spoke before this conversation today, but we went on, we've been on the phone for a long, long time here, and I, I appreciate your time very much, but I also just appreciate your candidness and appreciate how much you were willing to um, just to, to give today to Figure It Out Baseball and to me personally. If you haven't checked out the Figure It Out Baseball website, I hope you'll do so at figureitoutbaseball.com and see all the resources that we've got. But the best resource that we have really are these coaches that join us for these podcasts and, and are willing to share their stories and share – um, a lot of insights that I just don't think that, that enough people are hearing about. And I think it makes you appreciate college coaches a lot more, and it certainly allows you – I hope that these podcasts allow you to kind of see who these people are behind the uniforms and um, and just to see the great impact that these these men that are leading these baseball programs are trying to have on, on kids. And, and certainly uh, I'm sure most of them are succeeding, the guys that – that that's that that's a big goal like it is for you jeff so thank you so much man for your time and, and for all that you gave today in this podcast yeah thanks for having me jeff i mean it's been a blast and i'm glad that i get to be a part of figure it out baseball with i mean i got to listen to a bunch of podcasts before and listen to other coaches talk and pro coaches and players and just listen to a lot of really good information on it so i really appreciate you having me on